I like to light a candle. And my favorite candles to get are from Bath and Body Works. And listen. Oh my gosh, please get out of here. Currently, I have one lit mahogany teakwood. It is fantastic. Everything that's bad. (laughs) in the world stems from Bath and Body Works. It stems from having glitter in hand sanitizer. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say that sometimes you can get those three wick candles for like $10 a piece. There's probably a reason behind that, but. Yeah, I'm probably, my literal brain is probably melting out of my head right now. What's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Normalize This, the show where we discuss whether or not ideas, trends, behaviors should be normalized in everyday society. My name is Danielle Young. And I'm Adam Rippon. Listen, you still don't know who I am, but you definitely know Adam. So that's kind of, <laughs> that might also be untrue because I do know that Oprah follows you on Twitter. So Listen. I know that she knows who you are. So She's I aware. think, um, She's she's aware. I'm aware. She's we've hand hugged. You okay. have, yeah, I have. Okay. Well, <laughs> then then the people are aware. Then pre pandemic, I don't think she hand hugs anymore. But you know, here we are. Here we are. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm amazing. It's a Saturday, and Adam and I, we us are at work, and that's like I know, we are at work. We, we the grind. Never Wow, ends. it's like I'm P. Diddy, you know, like sleep mm-hmm. when, where, yeah, how? Sleep, sleep where, <laughs> sleep never, yeah. On my private I'm, jet um, on the way to more work. That's where I sleep, Adam. Exactly, I'm on your excited. way to more work. <laughs> because this is what we're normalizing, or at least talking about normalizing today, is work, like a Rihanna record. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about work. I feel like we're going to have a really great Listen. conversation about work today. And also, later in the episode, we're going to be playing a game called Keep It or Curb It. And that's when Danielle and I famously decide what to celebrate <laughs> and toss aside like old garbage. Listen. Which, um, it's it's important that we do that. It's important that we decide what stays and what goes. A hundred percent. I just think everyone should be aware of that. And if you are taking notes, that would be a note to take. Yeah. Get the pens out. <laughs> mine mine are out. My pen is actually out. So I, I am taking notes. I love that old school. Just write on the paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I, I have a question yeah. actually uh, on that. That has nothing to do with anything that we're <laughs> going to talk about today. When you write notes, mm-hmm. what is your font style? Oh, I'm a little chaotic because some of my letters are uppercase and some are lowercase. Is that a thing? Is that like a thing? people? I think it's definitely a thing okay. because so, some are just easier uppercase. I don't know. Yeah, right? like my N's are usually uppercase. Mm-hmm. My D's. Yeah, my R's, that makes sense. And even the, like yeah. uppercase R is not easier than a lowercase, but I don't know why I do that. I think it's easier to see. I still, and I remember when I learned how to do this, but, and, and it stuck with me is I still, I write everything in cursive. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And I don't, I feel like kids don't even learn how to write in cursive no, anymore. No, they don't. Which I think do is, they sign checks? What do they do? I know. Everything is through Venmo and PayPal and QR codes. 
<laughs> and bitcoins. Yeah. <laughs> like that is a like a romantic art form. Cursive. It is. I love writing in cursive. I'm I'm like addicted to it. Bring it's back my cursive. Thing. Maybe we can normalize uh, handwriting. <laughs> that should be. That's definitely. They're like these people are elderly. <laughs> Born I mean, in the 1900s. Yes. I feel like people don't write things down anymore, which if I don't write it down, it doesn't process. I have to have hand yeah. with quill. I've, I've tried to, to uh, <laughs> I must have my lantern and quill nearby. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the British. Oh I'm up at night. <laughs> like that's that's what I need. And if I don't write it down, it doesn't I don't doesn't stick with me. I feel that. I've tried to convert myself to digitizing my notes and things like that. Now I, I do love a good note um, and a good Google Doc, but like because you can like search these things and it's easier to find your your actual like what you're looking for. But yeah, it still doesn't feel as great as rifling through pages. No, I love. Oh, I love that. Oh. I'm actually getting hot and thinking about that. <laughs> I do. I love rifling through pages. Well, listen, believe it or not, we are not actually getting into the episode. This is just Adam and I being Adam and I dreaming right. about yesteryear. We're workshopping. Um, <laughs> we're workshopping our, our memories. But before we get into the, the show today, y'all know it's not just about us. It's about our relationship with you. You have mm-hmm. to hit us up on social media or else this whole thing won't work. It's right. just not going to it's not going to pan out for us. Not at all. So you already know where to hit me up. I'm going to tell you just in case Oprah's aware, but you might need to like bring mm-hmm. out your pen and paper. So on Twitter, you can follow me and tweet me at Rapsodani, R-H-A-P-S-O-D-A-N-I, and then at the Danielle Young on Instagram. And you got to do that. Adam, where can the people at you? They can at me wherever they want. Wherever books are sold. <laughs> wherever books are sold. Wherever, whatever platform you use to download podcasts. <laughs> and um, on Twitter at Adam Rippon and Instagram at, at a rip. Listen. Don't forget it. Yeah, we. if you have anything that you'd like us to normalize, please don't hesitate to reach out because it's it's now our job to do that. So yeah. we, we are available 24 We really want this relationship to work. Mm-hmm. Adam and I we are do. doing the work. So absolutely. Now We're it's always on you. working. Always. And now it would be a good time for you to turn your page. Okay, everyone, turn mm-hmm. turn the page. Do you hear that page turning? Yes, I do. And I love it. <laughs> I want you to also, hey, listener, hey, lean in. Make sure you also rate, review, subscribe, all of those items to our show. Normalize this wherever the podcasts come into your life. Like just type it in and hit all the buttons. Mm-hmm. Right, Adam? All of them. Yes, all of them. And leave a five-star <laughs> review. If you're going to leave anything less than five stars, just don't we'll fix do it. And then you can write it when you think it's five stars. <laughs> but like, so maybe don't. maybe explain. Yeah. Give us, explain uh, yourself. Right. Give us a written explanation and then yeah. we'll move forward. I want to move forward together. Yeah. Because see, this is the type of relationship that you are embarking on. Yes. It's healing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. I felt that. You know, I love our fun facts and I would love to hear a fun fact about you, Adam, that is work related. Okay. Um, I think my fun fact um, that's work related is that I like to light a candle, which I don't always do. But sometimes when I do, it's like when I'm really trying to focus. And my favorite candles to get are from Bath and Body Works. And listen. Oh, my gosh. Please get out of here. 
I actually am stuck Love in here, so I can't candles. leave. <laughs> um, I'm currently, I have one lit mahogany teakwood. It is fantastic. I, they have, okay. So listen, give me one it's second. It's the Bath and Body Works for me. It's, it's truly the worst. It's the, everything that's bad. <laughs> in the world stems from Bath and Body Works. It stems from having glitter in hand sanitizer. <laughs> and that's that's where it like stops and starts. But I will say that sometimes you can get those three wick candles for like $10 a piece. And you can't, you can't get, like, you can't get a bargain like that. So I, I just, There's that's, probably a reason behind that, but. Yeah, I'm probably, my we'll check, we'll literal check on brain is probably melting out of my head right now. So what is we'll your fun fact, Danielle? Okay, so your that's your fun fact that you like Bath and Body Works candles when and you're I have working. one lit right now. Yes, that's my fun fact. <laughs> that is precious and sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think of my my work fun fact. I also worked as a wedding dress consultant at David's Bridal for a short period of time in New York City. Oh and wow! I feel like you were amazing at that. I was so awful. I, I'm telling you, I don't you, I'm believe an awful that. I don't believe it's that. It's mostly all. because I was trying so hard to like get my journalism career to pop, and I was having such a hard time. And uh, I had gone to that David's bridal because my brother was getting married, mm-hmm. and I was a bridesmaid, and I needed to get a dress. And I was in the dressing room, like bargaining, like <laughs> with him to buy the dress because I couldn't <laughs> afford it. And the person who helped me when I came out, she was like, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but do you need a job? Oh, my God. So you got a job and at I was David like, Bridal out of need. Out of need. And yeah. uh, it was really tough. I'm not going to lie. Like retail and also retail that is discounted in a in a space in someone's life when they are really high anxiety. It, 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 it made for a lot of interesting weekends. And it thickened my skin, but I often would find myself uh, tucked away in one of my dressing rooms that I had been assigned and crying. Uh, <laughs> beautiful. I Work love, life, I love, am I yeah, right? <laughs> I love that. All of that to tell you people out there who are dreaming, <laughs> never give up. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, I'm ready to go. Let's I'm get ready to normalize. It. Okay. So for the past few years, work life has been turned upside down for so many of us. Yes. You know, like just my feet are in the air. My feet are, (laughs) I'm I'm holding you by the ankles and you're upside down. And I'm saying, I can't help you. I'm just turned upside down. And so we thought this would be the perfect opportunity for us to talk about the state of modern work because it is in a state Yes, it is. And it is modern. And very modern. And the Mm -hmm. new normals associated with our J-O-Bs. So the first topic when we're talking about normalizing work is what we are all doing or have been doing for the last couple of years, or many of us at least, and that's working from home. Listen, Mm -hmm. it's a hot topic. It is. I feel like you have a lot to say. Yeah. I want you to begin, if you don't mind. I want. I want to. I want to get your thoughts on. Well, actually, why don't you take me back? It's March mm. twenty twenty. Oh okay? my god! Oof. Right. I feel like the, one of those Vassal Ravens like effects just yeah. happened, and we we yes. zoomed in and we zoomed out, and, and that is what happened. <laughs> and, and in that vision, in that vision, what did you see? What was happening? What was your transition to working at home? Inside of my Brooklyn apartment, very, very tiny Brooklyn apartment, 
just learning that I lost my job. Mm-hmm. I was working at Essence uh, and as a video producer and host and all these amazing things. And that was over. And <laughs> then the world slowly started shutting down. Um, mm-hmm. But that was still in a time where we were like, okay, girl, like we'll be out in a bit. And then like, in some yeah. time we'll be fine. But then it got like super scary. Yes. And it got super scary to leave the house, especially living in somewhere like New York, where you're just inundated with people, no matter what you do, where you go. Right. And so I started very quickly normalizing being at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I didn't have an actual job, I was like, okay, wh- how do I find my like work? What do I do? Right. And because I'm a journalist and that actually at a time, like Essence was going to be the last time that I worked for a publication. I was going to go strike out on my own um, mm-hmm. actually in April of 2020. That oh, was wow. the plan. Okay. So it was like serendipitous. Yeah, that, that it, was the that actual plan. Yeah. So I just had to like pour myself into my digital work life and try to figure out how to make that happen for myself. And so pitching videos and pitching uh, writing samples and all that kind of stuff. And I ended up landing um, a lot of just odds and ends work, but then I I got a content deal. So my 2020 for like many of the digital content creator people that work on uh, the internet, I found out that a lot of us had the same type of like 2020 where it was such a devastating, weird time. It was hella lucrative for so Mm -hmm. many of us that work on the internet because that's where everyone was. And because of like my longevity in the the journalism industry and all that, I had all these relationships. So I was able to lean on them and create a real platform for myself and for my interviews. So like, it was weird, but it was so freeing. Fulfilling? Yeah, freeing in a way that I didn't feel a lot of the effects of 2020, even though... There was a lot of uh, death and sadness, like, Mm -hmm. right there right, in my life, immediate family members and friends. I still talk about it with my therapist now because my whole life changed. Yeah. And I was really able to pivot from thinking, like, my job was, or my my life was my job, to being like, oh, wait, I want to, like, live, but also really enjoy what I'm doing in a way that doesn't feel too much like work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my work from home was like, it was like an existential crisis almost. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, fe- it but sounds a- like it kind of pushed you in the direction that I think maybe you didn't know how to originally take that first step. Am I right? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. And, and to be like, I was being hesitant and I was like, okay, if I do it then, then I'm, I'm going to be ready. And I still wasn't, but I had to. So right. it was it was a very big push in a very different direction for myself. And I'm very glad that it panned out that way because the way my anxiety is set up, I don't know how I made it through 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I totally relate to what you're saying because I feel wh- where I was in my like professional life, um, I had been working in entertainment for like two years at that point, like since uh, I had competed at the Olympics in 2018. Wow. Wait a minute. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, we didn't even do our fun fact situation. And that is a very fun fact, Adam. It is. Honestly, it feels 
it's if I don't it feels like a completely different version of myself that every time I say it, it does sound like I'm saying something fake. But it is, I promise, <laughs> it is true. And there's it's tons legit. of proof. It is, it is legit. And it, there are there is tons of um uh material to back up what I'm saying. That wow, I my did. little Olympian. I'm so proud. That's me. So proud. The little Olympian. <laughs> Who could? Who could? Yeah. So after I retired, um, I was working in like entertainment and I feel like I was just saying yes to everything. I was doing oh everything gosh, I could, yes. you know, I just wanted to capitalize on, on being able to take advantage and, and venture into something that I've always wanted to. I've always loved communicating with people and entertaining people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think we're very similar in yes. that way that like yes. we love to have these conversations. And so I just felt like I was saying a little bit of yes to everything, even if it's not something I wanted. You know, I love to make people laugh and be stupid. And I think a lot of times I got pushed into doing things that like I didn't think were that funny or that substantial or Mm -hmm. not even substantial. I think that they just I didn't feel like it meant anything. And it's definitely, you know, I think when you spend every day of your life trying to get to the Olympic Games and then, you know, you're doing something that you love, but you're just, you know, doing a wine tasting and saying bullshit that it just it feels different. Right. Like, yes. It feels oh like, my gosh. is this like important? Well, is this from my diary? Right. <laughs> and so I'm reading your diary, actually. Oh and gosh, I'll get I knew back it. To, yeah. <laughs> and so. I was actually, um, Danielle Young, I was about to become a huge star on the famous app, uh, billion dollar app Quibi. Oh my gosh, me too. I got my first writer's room on a Quibi show. I remember that we started doing the show and I enjoyed it a lot, but I remember thinking like, I wish I had more of a say in like how this, of what I was putting together. And um, in the middle of recording, that's when COVID started. So I was supposed to do a bunch of episodes and we were filming, I think it was, we were about finished with like the 10th one. Mm -hmm. As we were filming them, it was every production around us started to close. And at first it felt like, oh, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then it became very scary. I remember the last day we went to the set, it was like going to the studio that day was like tumbleweeds. Oh my God. Nobody was there. Everybody was scared. I remember Such them being like, time. well, we'll just pick up in two weeks. That was the famous phrase. Yeah, we really thought March we were going to be back in April. <laughs> I don't know what everybody, everybody felt. Oh, the, the chokehold 14 days had on everybody in that moment was that, oh, in 14 days, two weeks, everything will be normal again, which we were wrong. So wrong. So nice. We were so wrong. Basically, what I'm trying to get to, to make this long story short, which I've already made it long, um, was that that Quibi ended up folding. Mm -hmm. I didn't finish doing that show. I got to do a lot of at-home things because everybody was trying to get content together. It was financially ended up being a good year for me. It was conflicting because it was surrounded with so much, you know, sadness and everything else and devastation. But it was that like reset of like, okay, going forward from here, it was like everything kind of started over for me. Yeah. that I, I felt like I could take a breath for the first time. And be like, okay, what do I really want to do? What is going to feel fulfilling to me professionally? And um, also, it was a really important time for me to like totally process having let go of that like last 
you know, the the last set of goals I had, which for it was like for 20 years was to go to to the Olympics. Right. And what's so strange about that whole experience is mm. that you work your whole life for it and yeah. it's this two week thing and it's over. And then you're like, what N- do I what? do? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think I was totally just keeping myself busy, which I'm I'm really grateful I was able to do. Mm -hmm. But I like postponed this like letdown from it not being like a part of me. But the pandemic forced me to totally look at that head on. So I was grateful in that respect. Yeah, like that's that's how I felt. And it's very hard to say that out loud in such a... uh, tremendously dizzying and devastating mm-hmm. time for so many people but to have that blessing it's it was a tough one to to appreciate in the time um, oh, yeah. just Conflicting. because of everything going on yeah but so many of us i have ooh adam i have a stat and i know how you feel about those okay are you ready i am it's according to pew research so i know i know you feel that deep in your soul i do yes i love anything pew has to say i'm always kind of <laughs> pew all ears. Be really on it you know pew is on it yes <laughs> the research team over at pew shout wow. out to them shout out to them um if y'all would ever want to come on this podcast we would love to have you anybody yes. from the research anybody team. anyone from pew also we don't really have guests on this podcast but no. we do have experts yes so if you're an expert from pew please um which you have to be like yes. that's why you work there. Right. You're you're just smart and an expert. But come so through. Danielle, what what did Pew Research have to say? Nearly six out of ten Americans are working from home, either partially or full time. And then, like now that we've reached what like our junior year of this pandemic, hopefully we'll be mm-hmm. graduating soon. Hope more so. of us are deciding to continue forth with working from home. Mm-hmm. as a choice rather than like we have to and a lot of these companies are still allowing many of us to stay at home and work so like with that being said mm-hmm. one out of five americans actually prefer to get their work done in the office okay which is like shocking to me because it seems like such a chore to actually have to go into an office but i get it the breaking up of the monotony but there's a lot right. of companies out there who are tired of their employees working from home and mm-hmm. are making the plans for everybody to come back on in, even if it's part time, um, in right. some cases. But is that so? Where do you something? stand on this? Yeah, like, should we be working from home? Should we go back into the office? I, I like a hybrid. I like a choice. Uh-huh. I like the freedom of choice. Um, I do have a day job, and that day job does indeed have an office, and and it's one of those cool offices with like iced coffee on tap and kombucha on tap, and like micro kitchens on every floor. So it's, you know, notice all of my perks are like food related. Because <laughs> right. otherwise I'm like, and there's a conference room. But <laughs> yeah, you're like, they have snacks and they also have drinks. More snacks and more drinks. But it's still having to get up and put the effort on to like get it all together, put your pants on mm-hmm. and get in the car and, you know, LA and the traffic. And then you get, and it's like, is this worth <laughs> Yeah. So if you had a choice, if you if you could. So I I know you said hybrid, but if you had to choose one, would you rather work at home or would you go into the office? (sighs) There is a part of me that misses the formality of needing to, like, get it together to be in a place. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, a lot of these times, especially through 2020, I've been on camera, you know, so it's like I didn't have I'm not a complete slob, but. (laughs) 
<laughs> there are times where I'm like, oh, camera off, girl. But I think I'm more of the home. I'm I'm more of the let's stay at home. Okay. Yeah. I I am absolutely, and I know that this is polarizing. Uh-oh. I am absolutely not work at home at all. Yeah. I can't, can't focus. I cannot separate like the church and state of it all. <laughs> it is like. You don't have like I, one space that's no work at all? No. I don't like like, like the my thing is, is that is like a no laptop zone and it is it it was not always like that. It's just I, I have access to too much of everything that I own. Is the, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I really need I need the separation of like I'm going somewhere lying to myself. I I'm I'm probably need that as well. But you know. On the on the flip side of that, that's that is absolutely like what I would prefer because I I feel like I'm so easily distracted that like Very. if I go somewhere else that's specifically to be working, m- my whole focus and my whole energy, body and soul is like in that space. Yeah. Right. And when I'm home, I feel like oh I'll work I'll do this for a little bit and then oh I'll go and do that thing that I wanted to do around the house. Like I just I feel like I get nothing done, but like I'm doing something all day. Like, yeah. What? Why? Yeah. It it can be a little maddening um, to be but, in the same place and go to sleep and wake up and yeah. Yeah, like it never ends, but it also never starts. Like I don't mm. know. That's how I felt. But in the pandemic. I had a friend and she stayed with me for a few months. Um, She was from New York. So she was obviously going to the office every day. And then in the pandemic, you know, it was she had her own bedroom, but could not obviously put everything that she needed for work in her bedroom. Mm -hmm. And so she was trying to figure something out. So she went home. She stayed with her, her family for a bit. And I said, why don't you just come out here? And like, I'm just kind of by myself right now. Right. So she came out and um, she continued to work. And I was really inspired because her style of working at home, she I think she totally nailed it. Ooh, and tell she me. totally I'm bringing out a pen and paper. Tell me more. Okay. So basically I, what I really admired was that she was able to set time of when she was working. She would take a lunch break where she would like get up from her computer or from where she was working. She would mm-hmm. watch like an episode. I, I remember she was binging One Tree Hill. <laughs> and so she was watching an episode of One Tree Hill, having a bit of lunch, then going back and doing the, the rest of her meetings. And then at like whatever time she was clocking out, she was done working for the day. And I just thought it was super impressive the way yeah. that she was able to compartmentalize because I couldn't do it. I no. couldn't do it. I yeah, can't it, do it. it is helpful to have those actual breaks where you get up and you leave the desk and you, you know, get a water, get a lunch, get a whatever. Those are helpful. But it's it's, you know, I can't deny it. It's, it is a beautiful privilege to have the ability to be able to work from home because not everybody had that. Um, totally. As their Not everybody had that. Right. You know, if you had a job, like if you were an electrician or if you were a gardener or, you know, something that there is no at home option, you never had Child, that. all the tired nurses and doctors around the world. Right. I love that I went to gardening before like, I went well, to not first <laughs> responders. And I'm like, listen, plastic don't forget about surgeons. the gardeners. <laughs> and I'm like, plastic surgeons. They were working overtime like, and they well, still also, are. ER. <laughs> They still, they still are. We Everybody's need them. still tired. Mm-hmm. We we need more of them. 
Um, but yeah, but I, I will say I'm not to cut you off, but, but you did, but I'm, but I <laughs> did, but I did. People be like, not to like interrupt me, but <laughs> <laughs> not to interrupt you, but I am this doing point that. Is really no, please important. go ahead. What were you going to say? It, I don't even know. Cause I cut you off. <laughs> I'm rude. I'm not nice. I don't even know, but I know you remember what you were going to say. What I was going to say <laughs> as I was plowing through <laughs> Whatever you whatever you wanted to say. What I was going to say was that I think that there are definitely some people who, um, if they had the option to work at home, flourished. And they were able yes. to do and get a lot more done. And I think for those people, I, I think if they were able to get more done at home, there's really no reason to bring them back into the office. Yeah. Other than, like, I think I was one of those people and now... I am one of those people that I'm like, I might need to leave here. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might need to get on out of here and get me a little di- change of scenery because it, it is getting increasingly difficult to, and and I've moved into a bigger space and I've moved from New York to LA. So it's like a whole different lifestyle and there's mm-hmm. sun here and things, but I yeah. still feel like mm, this is tough to like continue having this space be the only space that I'm in working and playing. And so I don't know. I, I think I'm... I totally, I totally, totally, totally hear what you're saying. Because that's exactly what I, I think a lot of people are probably over it. Mm-hmm. Um, they want the option to maybe go in for a few days. I'm sure that there's a lot of people who like, this is the first time that maybe if they have a young kid that they, they'll they be able to stay at home with them and work at the same time. So it cuts down on ch- the cost of like childcare. Right. I think that if you're able to get more done at home, I think it serves the company better. I know, it right? serves them more to stay at home, right? Right. You ain't got to provide the office for us. And right. Just add that they don't money need to have a paycheck. micro kitchen for yeah, you. Yeah, like get rid of the kombucha. I'll just, I'll, I'll buy my own. It's fine. Just give me more money in my paycheck. <laughs> Thank you. From We've your lips it. to God's ear. Actually, we solved it. Good night, everyone. I so um, much hard work doing. But this. I think that, I think this should be normalized working from home. But I also think that um, there's something to be said for like being at the office. I love that I'm like literally a government pig right now where I'm like, you everyone should be in the I office. I just want to interrupt Adam and say, everybody, <laughs> just work from Rome, to be honest. <laughs> oh my <laughs> if, God. If there's a chance, like, I would like to work yeah. from there. Yeah. Well, wow. I mean, I think in the idea of working for oneself, which, you know, Adam, you and I are able to do those things. And there's so many mm-hmm. folks out here in the world that have pivoted to working for themselves. People also Beyonce waited. She didn't tell us right at the top of 2020, but she definitely told everybody to quit their job. Quit your job. <laughs> yes, that's what she said. And I think um I think a lot of people heard her because I have right here an interesting fact. <laughs> oh yes. The data. I have data in front of me, um, and it says, according to government data, which we do have access to thanks to the raid at Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> close to 10 million new businesses have been started since the beginning of the pandemic. What? So, 10 million? Question, 10 million. 10 million new wow, businesses. y'all better just go all the way off out there, world. Yeah. I'm proud of I, y'all. That is crazy. That so, is amazing. I guess my question is, should everyone decide to start a business in this new world? Why or 
Why not? I guess, what are the pros? What are the cons? What do you this think? This world is getting new um, and weird. Mm, yeah. And honestly, when I like got into inside of 2021, like, like oh, oh, we really, this is really how we're living. All right. Mm-hmm. My brain was like, hey, the world's ending. So you should just go live and just do whatever you want. And so that's what I did. I've, I was already in the midst of working for myself. So I decided to figure out like, okay, now that I have the backing and the, the financial backing of having a content deal, I can mm-hmm. create whatever content I want. Had to be within reason because obviously people weren't going into studios and things and events and things. But I had to like figure out how to like make that work for myself. And then I wanted to expand from there. Right. And this weird time gave me the space to do that. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm just me. I don't have children. And it's, there's so many things that I, that leave me independent and able to be like, okay, what does it look like to work for myself? Right. Um, and so I figured out like, okay, let me get this LLC. Let me see what <laughs> my strengths are. I've been, you know, working for over 15 years. I know mm-hmm. I can do more than journalism. I'm a producer. I'm a this. So I created it. And as somebody that just did it with no real, like, know-how or I'm still figuring things out, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, start the damn business. It is such a great time to, like, just do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. One thing I remember pretty vividly in the pandemic is obviously I downloaded TikTok like everybody did. <laughs> And I, I could see did. people oh promote you. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't. You didn't? No. Or you, and, and follow up, have you since? I have. I made one TikTok. How did that go? Uh, it blew it up. It went really, it didn't blow up. It Viral. did really, it did really well. The person that I did it for saw it, loved it, and commented on it. Okay. That's the whole point. <sighs> but I have not been back since. Okay, I'm a big watcher. I'm not a big. It overwhelms maker. me. Uh, I just don't care. I just, I do care. I do care. I do care. I take it back. Um, <laughs> I do care, but I know Danielle Young. I don't care because <laughs> the thing is, is that I see the amount of effort. Lots you know, not it. to. I love Gen Z. I love, 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 love Gen Z. <laughs> um, but. I will say that there is so much effort in looking effortless that I'm like that looks exhausting it and does. I see them you know they're always filming everything they're always filming everything and I was and, that person like but I, it was different it was, it was different, different when it was Snapchat I don't know why but it was the kids are still over there I think but yeah which what yeah <laughs> I think the kids are still over there but I think they're doing I think they're doing weird sex stuff over there on Snapchat yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because they have it in their minds that that stuff disappears, question yeah. mark? Yeah. Wait, you know what? Can I? Can we just take a side step for a second? I know we're talking work life, but I, now that we're talking about this for a sec, I do want to talk about, this guy, I guess, pertains to work that I remember when I was young, there was this huge conversation of like, be careful what you put online. It's there forever. Right. <laughs> and I remember people like, if uh, everybody would be of age to drink, and I remember people being like, "Oh, put the glasses down. No, no alcohol in the picture." I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember that being a big thing. And now a huge it's thing. like the kids will pour 
liquor now straight it's like, into Let their me drink this bottle of bleach right on camera. And then I will live stream myself so, shitting out the bleach. Yeah, these kids are different. These kids are way different. What? I just don't understand the thought process of like this will if they have a child. That child is going to see them. There. It just feels so like, oh, it'll go away or you know, I could just delete it, but like these things are really like people <laughs> People no, are really putting themselves out much. there in, in ways that is just like, okay, honey. But yeah. that's internet culture, you know? Like, we are still from a certain generation of, like, our image and, you know, worrying about companies hiring us or work, working with us based on the things that we share online or, you know, yes. being public figures and having people search through your tweets and canceling you for things and opinions when you were 19. Like, that exists, <laughs> Very right. much it to exists. our generation, but and it should exist to them too. But I would they even have say afforded that, themselves a freedom. Yes, but I would go as far as say that it, it does exist for them too. But they do it in such a. I think we do it in a way that that seemingly is more curated. Um, yeah, and, and I think our, what our like millennials will want to do something that is more forwardly looking, professional, or put together. But yeah. I think the curation it's just an interesting thing when the work is the is on the internet. You know what I mean? Yes, like totally. My journalism career didn't start out that way, but then it leaned more into digital as like print started dying, and so your digital footprint as a journalist started to matter. Right. And it also was in a time where a lot of the higher ups didn't want your profile to be larger than the brands. And yes. so it was like this constant fight. And then they realized oh, wow. that it actually made more That's sense so wild. to have you That's be so a personality. Wild. It, feels, it made more so sense. Wild. Yeah. It, it's it's so wild because I feel like brands would want the opposite now. Like yeah, they would see and now that the tables have turned. And But it, the old guards at editorial probably still feel the way. Same mm-hmm. way. So it becomes this like thing where all the girls are just like, I don't want to, I can't work like this. And then they break out and they become whatever the brands like want to work with. And they get all these different opportunities. And then a lot of them are innovative and ambitious enough to shape how the content appears. And it doesn't have to be just what the brand says. So there's Mm -hmm. so much like space to, to be creative and to be yourself, but you still have to I don't know, as a content creator, you still have to follow some guidelines right. around professionalism and, and creating yourself as a business. But I do think that it's interesting to see there be so much freedom and space for people to like explore however mm-hmm. they want to post. Yeah, I, I definitely think that um, in this seemingly I'm posting whatever sort of style that it, there's a lot of if not just as much thought that goes into it so that it seemingly seems like effortless because obviously they're they're very concerned like the the gen z i mean is concerned with like um things that are out there standing up for things that you believe in oh yeah people they want it they want to know all of that stuff so i think in that effortless style there's a huge amount of effort that goes into being effortless (laughs) it's all it's weird but it's it's all work. It it kind of, it sort of leads me into another topic around this normalizing work situation. And it's the idea of the balance, the work-life mm-hmm. balance that we kind of spoke about it and the idea of working from home and trying to find that balance of like, okay, I'm not working during this time and I'm back, you know, turning back to my computer at this time. And also 
the idea of living and working on the internet and creating these personalities or these things, uh, these entities online that are lucrative for so Mm -hmm. many people. So as we talk about normalizing work, this term work-life balance kind of feels like it needs to be recalibrated or reworked in a way. Mm -hmm. It was originally coined way back in 1817. But, like, whoa. Good times. Somebody had to create it, right? By a mm-hmm. good old British labor activist by the name of Robert Owen, um, mm-hmm. who fought to split the workday up so that folks could have some type of personal time outside of working for their man all damn day. <laughs> Robert, you better just... Mr. Owen. It's giving soft life. But in mm-hmm. 1817, you know, it couldn't be that so really hard during those times especially for my people, but who didn't have any work-life balance. Right. Famously, you could say that there Famously, was no Famously, there was then. no, there was only work-life. Right. Um, <laughs> there was only work. But, you know, Robert thought that people deserve to have some type of balance, so there it was created. And today, nine to five, mm-hmm. what a gross journey. <laughs> Like, who thought, like, the entire day needs to be a work day? Thank you. And then you're going to be too tired when you leave to do anything, and then you're going to have to do it all over again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Thanks to updates in technology, people are now on call literally most of the time. So 9 to 5, it seems like, oh, it might be gone, but I feel like it makes people work more because you're just, you're on the internet, you're accessible, things are, you know, Things are happening, but studies conducted in 2021 found that 77% of employees in America experienced burnout at their current jobs, while 83% said their personal relationships are negatively impacted by burnout from work. Mm -hmm. We tied. Everybody's tired. We tired. Robert Owen said that we needed the balance. Come back, Robert. (laughs) Regulate us. Give us more balance. I mean... I mean, I've been guilty of being the person that checks emails when I'm of not course. during my working hours or, you know, check on the progress of something or if I needed a certain piece of this puzzle to, like, move forward and it's Saturday, I'll check in. But I think the pandemic and the slowing down and the complete, the complete the halting of all that, it just made me feel like certain things weren't as important as I used to think they were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't label myself the like booked and, and busy or, you know, the like get into the bag. Oh, I don't I don't do that no more. That is not how I live my life anymore. I've been burnt out. I'm in the middle of like coming back from a burnout. Mm-hmm. I don't think <laughs> like working around the clock or being a workaholic is for me. Okay, so Adam, do you normalize being a workaholic, d- dwelling in workaholism? Workaholism. I think I can be a bit of a workaholic. Mm. I think one. I think everybody can be a bit different, right? And I think what's healthy for everybody has to be different. I think I feel lucky because the stuff that I get to do right? feels like fun, right? It so, does. So when I am working... It, I look forward to it and I and I want to take yeah. ad- advantage um, 
of all of those like opportunities because they feel like fun. Even if that means I would have to miss out on, you know, maybe going to dinner with friends or doing something because I'll be busy for a few days. I, I enjoy taking advantage of like work opportunities. I love, I love it actually. But I think that if you're not in a position where it's like, you know, something that feels fun all the time, which it's not for everybody, um, there should be something said that if you're working from nine to five, that that's, you know, you're getting paid for nine to five, right? So Mm -hmm. the clock stops and you pick up again at nine the next day. And I think to go back to your point, that uh, with technology, it's just so easy to have access to everyone. And it just feels so harmless that the lines get totally blurred between when does work stop and when does work start? Yeah, it, it is definitely case by case on the workaholic stuff because there are people like you and I who are able to do jobs that we get paid to be ourselves or to have a good time and uh, to have conversations and things Mm -hmm. that aren't laborious. And that doesn't feel like being a workaholic because it's like, oh, I have to meet up with you and do this podcast on a Saturday. Of course, this it doesn't feel like work. Uh, right. But to a lot of people, you know, like a Saturday, like even as a podcast, like girl, a Saturday. Right. Um, and so in certain spaces that could make me feel like a workaholic, but in this very soft life era that I'm in right now, I'm not about to pick up anything that is going to feel hard or like work. Mm-hmm. But I know that I have it in me to be like, oh, it's midnight. I can. Yeah, I'll stay. Right. But I prefer to lean more into like living life than working. Um, Even if it's stuff that I enjoy, I want to be smart about how I'm spending my time Mm -hmm. and using my energy. I think back to like my friend who stayed with me during the pandemic of like, she was working and then the clock struck six and it was done. She just wasn't there anymore. And I feel like I have a hard time turning that off. Yeah. But they're like, mm, I'm there now. Um, I've taken an entire month off of my day job, my Mm -hmm. nine to five, my bread and butter for multiple reasons, but mostly to get like my mental together because I've been having a lot of anxiety specifically about the work. And I've come up with the conclusion of I need boundaries. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm a creative. I'm not as, as much as I am locked into this corporate space. I'm not a corporate girl. Um, A lot of this stuff, like we are literally, and you hear this all the time when people are like dismissing something more, especially a job, but it's like, we really are not curing cancer. So there's not a lot that requires me to still be on Mm -hmm. at a certain hour. And so I do believe in in cutting it off and getting up out of there because I don't think it's fair to have people devote so much of their lives to work. And then you're still looking for me to give you more. Right. Y'all better figure it out in these 40 hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> Y'all better Otherwise, c- pay me. Hello. And also, don't put no meetings on my calendar at 9 a.m. Because <laughs> I'm not really on, okay? Um. <laughs> I think for me, so before working in entertainment, obviously, I was like a competitive athlete. And mm-hmm. I think in athletics, there's this big of, you know, thing of, that work that you do when nobody's watching is the work that really matters. Hmm. And, uh, you know, athletics and sports, I think it's conflicting because 
it definitely serves you to have a work-life balance, but you're yeah. so praised for not. Yeah. And I definitely felt like, um, so as an athlete, it, it wasn't like I was the, the very best. I was good, but I really thought that like, okay, well, if I, if I'm not the very best, I can be at least the, the best or the craziest at something. So right. I would make sure that like I was doing a hundred times more than everybody that I was like training with. And then hmm. I would go and do extra workouts. And I, and I didn't do it because I felt like I had to. It gave me a lot of like confidence that I, I was doing so much and, and I knew other people weren't doing as much as I was. Right. And I felt like it was intimidating to some people. And so sometimes I struggle because being an athlete and being in entertainment are, there's a lot of crossover, mm -hmm. but you know, having that, that balance is definitely super important and it doesn't really serve you to be doing uh, so much more than, than, you know, what might be required. I think that it's definitely risen my level of tolerance of how much work can I do in a day, mm. but it's also made me miss working so much. Mm. Which is so weird. That yeah, seems so bizarre to say. I, that's, yeah, that's my in conclusion. You're a workaholic. I'm a recovering workaholic, burnt out. So I can't really give. <laughs> I can't really give much in the in the sense of like doing overdoing anymore. Yeah, you said something about anxiety that like I wanted to just bring something up that like when. As an athlete, you just, you know, when all the competitions are, you, you know, that schedule. Mm -hmm. And I got really felt a lot of anxiety in this new world of um, like in entertainment. It's very weird because there there really isn't that nine to five. So, you know, it's really like things come up and you can be super busy and then there'll be chunks of time where maybe you're not doing anything or, right. or you're, yeah. or yeah, you're yeah. trying to curate something yourself or put together a pitch or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. But in that in-between time, it feels like, oh my God, maybe I'll never do like work again. <laughs> right. Like there is very feast or famine. Yes. In this, in this lifestyle of working for oneself or being an entrepreneur. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people, I mean, if there were 10 million new businesses, a lot of people can absolutely like resonate, resignate, resonate. Please. Can we get a speech therapist on here? Because I am I'm mumbling people and slurring all day. Right now. They can resonate. <laughs> sorry, resonate <laughs> with the fact that, hey, maybe the, the last sale or the last gig or the last thing I came up with was the best thing I'll ever do. And it's that mm -hmm. like that, that, <laughs> that doom that like, maybe I'll never work again. I think that's, I think definitely with the, uh, so many new businesses and people working for themselves, that's got to be something a lot of people are feeling. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, Adam, what about work are we normalizing today? You go first. Okay. I think we're normalizing creating a work environment that works for you. Oh my God. Because the studio audience is applauding. And gasping because, <laughs> you know, the pandemic totally changed how we view work across mm -hmm. every sort of industry. It's so, everything is so different. Mm -hmm. And it's really about creating that environment that's going to help you be your most productive, whether it's working from home or the office or changing your schedule to fit your lifestyle. But 
it's normalizing making your work life work for you. Yes, I really appreciate this new kind of like work life that we have going on because I'm lucky enough to do a lot of mine digitally. A lot of like we started this podcast via Zoom. So it's like I get to have a lot of these other passions within the comforts of home or also like just all I have to do is open my computer. So it just feels Mm -hmm. like there's like so many I guess, like just more possibilities, especially when it comes to the types of jobs that we have where we're able to, you know, create content or, you know, show up digitally. So I appreciate being able to create a work environment that can essentially be anywhere. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, hmm, where else could I go? I'm so grateful that I have that option. And even just a few years ago, I feel like if somebody was like, you're going to record a podcast, but it's going to be remote. That wouldn't have ever even been an option. It would have been like, well, you're just not going to do a podcast. But now that's so normal. That's how we started. And so, Danielle, what do you want to normalize? You know what, Adam? I think we should normalize recalibrating work-life balance. Yes. Because the balance is off. The person... totally. (laughs) The scales have been tipping because the person who thought... You know what? 40 hour, nine to five. That's the work week that's going to give people the balance they need. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, baby. That, no. It's not going to work. No. I don't know how many hours happens. there are in the week total, but I know 40 of them should not be dedicated to work. <laughs> right. Um, the past three years have shown us that. Like, way to blur the lines on clocking in and clocking out. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be there at 9 a.m. Right. Well, I mean, it's just so, I mean, especially when you're working from home or doing anything from home, it's like you start whenever, but also that means end whenever. So the hours are just whatever. And it can just mentally, that is really what kind of throws me off. Because I have, let's say it together, no schedule ethics, whatever. None. I honestly need someone to like whip me into shape when it comes time to like do things that aren't actually like it is imperative that you get this done you know what I mean you know certain things it's like no you have to get this done and certain things are like oh well you can get it done yeah because I I love being able to work from home but also I work so much better when I'm not home so finding that work-life balance was something that I still struggle and try to like work on yeah I think I'm a lot more productive when I actually take myself out of the actual home space that has become the work space as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just, I lie to myself and tell myself I'll do things in my house just for the convenience of it. And then it's just like, "Mm, let me go and just like do another thing. Um, So even (laughs) in this new type of normal that we find ourselves in, work-life balance, being at home is, it's like ideal, but it's still such a challenge to figure out. Mm-hmm. how to not be complacent and or for those overachievers not to burn yourself out because it's so easy to just get up and be like, you know what? It's 3 a.m. I can't sleep. I'm just going to like start doing a couple of things that I need to do for the day. Totally. So it's very easy to get yourself caught up in a very like weird work-life balance, even though a lot of us are at home still. Like I used to like to have a lot of value in how many jobs I've had booked and how many times I needed to get on a plane or do this thing. 
But now since the world has been so different, I don't think I really lean too much into like booking myself. I still want to yeah. be booked, but I just am definitely blessed. But I don't yeah. want to be busy. I mean, I fall into the, it's not even a trap, but I love being busy. I think that like, I will, I know not even to like the point that. of like, I love being busy. I just like, I think that it keeps my mind from like, just exploding. Ah. So I like, and even if I don't have a lot of work things going on, I'll like throw things into my schedule just to make myself busy. So, mm. I mean, I, but I, I do like, because I used to like travel a lot, to too. The, I, I have a lot to unpack. <laughs> I start crying right away. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely made me reevaluate the whole pandemic in the last three years, reevaluate everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, and that, like, it actually leads me into the next thing of normalizing. Normalize taking a mental health break. Yeah. Or even just a day or even just an hour from your job. Right. That job, hopefully, will still be there when you come back from this break. As someone who has taken a mental health break this year, um, something that I would have never thought I could do mm-hmm. or even come up with that option for myself. I'm an advocate for that. It, it's Honestly, if people think, oh, that you're just you're just being lazy. Oh my God, self care is just giving people a chance to do this or do that. No, it is. Life has so many moving parts. Right. So taking a second, even like because I took a full month, I was blessed enough to take a full month, unpaid, but mm-hmm. still blessed enough to allow myself not to be paid. I spent the first week just relaxing because yeah. I needed to figure out how to relax. Mm-hmm. Because I was still anxious from missing work and feeling guilty. Mm. Well, it's hard in in those moments, especially with all of that anxiety, to realize yeah. it's like that quality over quantity. Right. And it's like getting, staying at work and just putting more hours in is not going to make your work better. And so, I mean, really like hats off to you for having like the wherewithal to to make that decision for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I I had to. I don't know how other people's experiences are in dealing with mental health and stuff. And like I said, I've never really given myself the chance to do that. But I had gotten to the point where like, I'm crying <laughs> on yeah. Zoom. I have to turn my camera off because I can't stop crying. Or I'm reading emails and nothing is making sense. I can't even comprehend to do my job. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, <laughs> like I actually cannot work. Like it's not, yeah. it's not working. So I just think, you know, as important it is for us to have jobs to for our, to support our livelihoods and our passions with our careers, I just think they are not as important as our sanity. Because if we don't have that, <laughs> we, like what do we, we have? What do we have? Yeah. <laughs> but don't give up on yourselves. Like this no, is please not don't. the time to do that. I think. Whatever works for you, I think individually, everybody has their own, you know, journey when it comes to working. Yes. But I do think, I believe what Beyonce said, man. Quit your fucking job. (laughs) So now I want to get into one of my favorite parts of the show because I already have favorite parts. Mm-hmm. And that's keep it or curb it. 
Keep it or curb it. it. You remember. That's, yeah, we're waiting for, <laughs> we're still waiting for someone to remix that. So at your convenience, anyone. Yes. And for those of you who haven't been paying attention, but this is basically where Adam and I take a look at new social trends and decide if they're worth keeping or curbing. Get it? <laughs> I so get smart. it. You guys are so smart. Adam, why don't you kick us off? All right, I'll kick us off. So this trend, it's okay, this it seems a little concerning. So I love that. I, love I do, obviously, things. I love it if it's concerning. <laughs> so the New York Times, the failing New York Times, recently oh. report. Because <laughs> um, I'm not subscribing. Just let me read the article. Stop it. Okay, so this concerning trend that I, I, I really want to share with you is the New York Times recently reported that there's a trend picking up mm-hmm. amongst employers to use tracking software. Oh, okay, I, mm-hmm. I hate this. I'm very concerned already. Yeah. Okay. I'm concerned to track those choosing to work from home. So this includes counting your typing keystrokes or taking pictures every 10 minutes to make sure. No. Okay. uh, With more people wanting to work at home, um, is having your every move monitored by your boss worth it? No. Um, Also, pictures? My jaw is open to the max. No. That's actually wild. No. First of all, no. I saw yesterday or the other day, like this hack of somebody put like a watch with hands that has like a second hand, right? And they put it underneath their mouse that has like one of those like lasers to see if like it's moving so that they could walk away from the computer and it would seem that the mouse was still moving. That's so sad. It's so sad. If you're getting the the work done. That's what I'm saying. If you're getting the work done. That's just a lot of these jobs in the corporate world are BS. And like everybody is just getting exposed for. Yeah. (laughs) This is horrible because it does take so little to get a lot of these jobs done. Like you're not going to be tap, tap, tapping away at your computer for eight hours. No. And I also like what the photos? That's so weird. It's the the photos for me because you're going to definitely catch me with my head all the way back leaned into a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You are going to catch. The photo is so bizarre. You're going to catch an empty chair so many times. Like, are you serious? You're going to catch my watch with hands (laughs) underneath my mouse. No, I like, no curb immediately. What? Curb, curb it, throw it Boss, away, burn yeah. it in a fire. Boss Take to the jail. ashes and mash them up. No, and grind them. That's jail time. That's jail time. I don't like that at all. I don't like the electric pictures. Electric chair for That's everybody a, involved. Electric chair. Electric chair. Thank you. No curb. No. Next. Danielle. Next. I'm not. I don't ever want to talk about that again. Productivity is such a gag word. Like, get away from me. Okay, (laughs) I'm triggered. Next up on keep it or curb it. Keep it or curb Curb it. it. (laughs) I'm actually now it's totally stuck. It's in you. I don't give a shit. You're welcome. Um, According to Harvard Business Review, Mm -hmm. some companies are competing for talent by offering an increase in pay. We love to hear that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Keep doing that. For companies that can't afford to do that, they are offering shorter work weeks in lieu of higher salary. Hmm. So, Adam, okay. if asked, would you take a higher salary and keep working five or six days a week? Mm-hmm. Definitely not six. 
Or <laughs> right. would you keep the salary? How many things do I get to choose? <laughs> wait, wait, how many days? <laughs> or would you keep your current salary and work four days out of the week instead? No, I would keep the That's not short salary. enough. No, I think, okay. A let's short say, work week is two days, baby. Like, come on, stop it. Or every other. I'm working Monday and Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. My honest thing is that I would work more to get more pay because that's just how my mind works. I would, I would keep just, my I, same salary and work, but it has to be less than four days. Like four days is not, yeah, there has to be a, a real day. incentive. Short, yeah, like shorter work week to me. It's like they're already five days. Yes, shorter. Give you a good two and a half. I think shorter is three or less days a week. You're so right? generous. I'm gonna give you two and a half, but I'll, I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'll make the third day a Friday, so like nobody's really other like otherwise other people aren't working. Yeah. Okay. Like everybody so kind of checked out. I guess this is. I. Okay, I'm a terrible that, employee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if you want to hire me, just know I'm going to give you my best, but not all the I'm days. I'm going to give you my week. best 80%. <laughs> and I everything save I do. some for me. What do you want? Okay. This is the thing. If the same amount of work is getting done, mm-hmm. I don't see why there should be uh, like a, sh- a smaller salary. I don't see why there should be. Because if the same work is getting done at the same quality, then that work is, I think, should be valued at the same price. Right. But they're like, we can give you the same price, but you just can show up less. I like yeah. that. Okay. You can take your little raise and your extra couple days a week. <laughs> okay. I'll take them and you can take your three days. Yeah. No, your two and a half. Two and a half. Your Monday, Wednesday, and two then and Friday. Two and three quarters, if I'm being generous. Okay. It sounds like you'd be doing, you'd be working Monday, Wednesday and doing a guest appearance on Friday. Period. Love that. <laughs> and if your company works that way, please tweet me at Rapsodanny. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, let's keep it. I ke- Keeping I, I'll, it. I'll keep it. I think it's nice to have that option. Yeah, it's cute. Okay. So the next one here is um, we're rounding out our work theme episode. Okay, this Are is we, about the. That sounded very formal. I feel like I'm, I needed to be in you, the meeting. Can you tell? I want you to be honest with me. You can tell when I'm reading things, right? Yes. And when I'm just speaking, I want yes. I want there to be a clear discretion. <laughs> discretion is that even the right word? Can I honestly get I a mental discernment. health professional on the here and help me? Because I, you know, that I'm not well. <laughs> yeah, I think discernment might be the word, but I liked that it felt like I was in an HR meeting. Yeah, there's there's a moment every few minutes of this podcast where I'm like, I do like reading something because it makes <laughs> I feel like one it's it's there's it's a double edged sword, Danielle Young. Yes, it's a double edged sword because I do like that if it's wrong, I don't have to take any accountability for it. Ah, look at you, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's right, good. <laughs> Just like a white man. You hear this, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the problem, right? No, you are part of the problem. That is that is it. That is it. And we're going to have to add a segment in where Adam takes accountability. uh, Somebody write that down on their pen and pad. I've written it down because now I'm ashamed. (laughs) So this is the this is our last question in Keeper Curb. The Great Resignation. 
So Ooh, I'd love to hear it. It's a it's a trend that experts feel like is going to have lasting impact. Okay. Yeah. So in 2021, just in 2021, 47 million Americans quit their jobs voluntarily. Ooh, and so that's that something that's crazy. never happened before. This resulted in medical offices, restaurants, public services, all being short staffed for the past couple of years. Mm. The reason behind the great resignation is that people are refusing to work jobs with poor conditions, Oof. poor pay, yes. and little chance to upward mobility. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. No, not shocking. Not shocking. It sounds like the gospel to me. Keep going. Okay. As a result, companies have had to find creative ways to incentivize employees to return to work. You know, they have to think about how they're going to have their employees return back to work while these some of these places are still short staffed. Yeah. I mean, we feel the effects of short short staffedness when we're going out and about, uh, you know, little by little because we shouldn't be doing the most outside. But, you know, getting our, our things, our comforts. And it is apparent that there's a lot less folks in the workforce. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I love that for them. It's not an easy thing to just be like, oh, I'm going to quit this job and let me figure it out. Yeah. But any time that you can take a decision and make your life more livable for yourself or more enjoyable for yourself, I say go for it. Yeah, especially if the choice the choice behind it is that you're not willing to work in poor conditions and poor pay. Like, screw these jobs; they're never going to take the, their company name off and put yours on it. Right. So, I guess um, should we normalize companies bending over backwards to attract employees, or does our generation just have unrealistic expecta- expectations? So, this is my take. I think that the problem is that these jobs. That they're not incentivized to help anybody, like get any some any sort of fulfillment out of them, no. and that they're making people work these crazy hours for no benefits to work for minimum wage, um, which now is barely enough to cover rent in some major cities and even smaller yep. towns. So I, I think that like not being able to sustain employees at a livable wage with n- no benefits is I think the fault of like the company. So there's, oh yeah, right. If the company can't help their employees be able to like, you know, people only have jobs to be able to live and to do things that they want to do outside of work. Yeah. If people aren't able to do that, what's the point of having that job when they be yeah. able to do something else? Right. And not for nothing. Like it's this next generation of folks, whether it's Z or whomever, like they are not going to sit down and sit by and watch like as people screw them over. And I appreciate that about this generation because it's very protest heavy, very out loud. No, we're not going to stand for it generation. And like, I remember seeing a story uh, recently about the rapper Rick Ross, who is, you know, famous also for being a Wingstop franchise owner, uh, you know, of of several, I guess he's like the owner of Wingstop and stuff like that. But they, he recently got in trouble mm-hmm. for basically being a slumlord of, a, of an employer. These people work hard for these low wages. And it was reported that they were taking money, like the, the company was taking money to illegally pay for like uniforms and background checks and safety training. And even when the register was short, they would take that money out of the pay of the employees. And you're already talking about people that are like 
possibly walking home with like $7 and 25 cents an hour. What's the point? Like I, that I, you know, I really just don't understand because I think there's a certain point when you have so much money, right? Like I think, you know, everybody wants to have the most amount of money that they can in theory. Right. Right. But there comes a certain point where like you can only buy so many things. You can only have so much money before it doesn't matter. And for so many of these huge corporations with that have CEOs and owners and everything, yeah, that billionaires like that. are yeah. like, it's it's no skin off their nose. Yeah, it's like, why would you do that? I, I worked for a company one time and uh, was laid off and went to apply for the unemployment benefits and stuff. And the company denied it. Like, they denied the why? claim. Is this like you... Like y'all pay for the the unemployment insurance, all that stuff comes out of my check. Like mm-hmm. I'm entitled to <laughs> the unemployment benefits. So for you to go out of your way to say no, like there's so many companies that are diabolical in so many ways. Yeah, and I mean it makes sense why so many people started their own. Yeah, the Great Resignation is like a collective fu to these corporations who don't and have never really cared about us. So. Mm-hmm. I'm with it. I'm going to keep it. Keep the great resignation all day. Yeah, I keep it too. Because I think it's the only way for something to change, right? Yes, like enough exactly people, that. Like, you know, another thing that's so crazy to me, like just to go back to the these jobs not paying well, is that, you know, when you work at a restaurant, you're working for so little money, hoping to like survive on tips, which is insane. These people yeah. who are working at the restaurant, are they're basically the face and the whole reason why anybody would come back. I've come back to a restaurant even if I haven't like liked the food very much because yeah. I enjoyed the staff. Yeah, yeah. And and the tips thing, like, it is really crazy because I have a lot of like friends from all over, um, all over the world. And a lot of my friends that are from outside of the U.S. are very confused about our tipping culture. Totally. Like my homegirl that's from Ghana, she's like, it stresses me out that I have to go to a restaurant and rate the employee and pay the employee. Right. She's like, that's not, that should not be my job. And it doesn't make any sense to me that because I've ordered extra food, now I have to pay them more. Especially if I'm ordering the food to my home. It doesn't, they don't, do more work. She was like, why am I, why is the percentage, why is that my job now? Right. And I never even thought about it. I was like, oh, you're, you're right. Like that's, they should just pay the server a fair wage and everything should be fine. But then there's a lot because I've worked in food service and I've worked as a server. There's so many people that go above and beyond because the tips make up for the lack of pay. Mm -hmm. So back in college, when I was working at a restaurant and getting literally $5 an hour to be a hostess, but then two seventy five to be a waitress, but would go home with more money because of the tips, or sometimes less money because $2. of the tips. Two seventy five an hour. Two seventy five an hour, and this was in the two thousands. Yeah, you know, I know I was born in the nineteen hundreds, but this was definitely in the two thousands and in North Carolina. So you know, cost of living is is very different there than a lot of these major cities. But two seventy five. So can I ask you something? Do you think that you would have made, I I guess it just would have been more stabilizing, but do you think you would have made more if you were paid like a real wage? I would have at least just known that no matter what, no matter how slow it is, Mm -hmm. I have a livable wage. Yeah. Because there would be sometimes I would come home with like 
$10. Oh, yeah, because it was also a North Carolina buffet-style restaurant that was just, it, you know, you are not attracting clientele, caviar clientele. So people, especially <laughs> on a Sunday, oh my God, the church people were the worst. They would like chase me down to like push the money into my hand and it would be like a dollar. And it's uh, like, I, you guys were a table of 15. Like, oh my God. All of you couldn't muster up a dollar. Like, <laughs> yeah. See, that so was crazy it, yeah. to me because that's, you're the face of the whole restaurant. Like, you're the whole yeah. reason why people, that you're the experience. Is, tipping is very feast or famine. And it's also like, cause I've, like, in the life that I have led, I've been able to, like, also sit down at these really amazing, fancy $4 sign restaurants. Mm-hmm. And, the bill is $600 and then the tip this person's getting a certain percentage ends up being like 90, 100 bucks. Right. And it's like, wow, what a night they could have, you know, because of these tips. And they may not get that same pay if it was an hourly rate style restaurant. So I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure where I stand on the tipping, but it is weird that we do have tipping culture is such a big part of America and how we handle service industries. Yeah, it totally is. It's I think the concept of tipping is odd, right? Like it, it makes it makes a lot of sense in certain regards, but mm-hmm. in others where restaurants have these like old tipping pots and so even if my person is outstanding all night long, they still have to share all their tips with the rest of the restaurant. It's like Yeah, I hate damn, that. what? Yeah. <laughs> what if Johnny sucked tonight? Like <laughs> Right. What if he was, what if Johnny was bad? And it was the reason that our tip jar is not as big as it could be. Right. It's like, but that that's making like everybody's accountable for each other, which is a team. It's a yeah. team thing, but not everybody's on the same team. I, uh, yeah. Okay. So to go back to the great resignation, I, <laughs> I keep it. And, yes, keep it. And if I were ever to go to that buffet, in the early 2000s in North Carolina, I would have tipped you more than a dollar. Oh, I appreciate you. And I would have brought you several glasses of Coca-Cola. Thank you. Wow. Okay, I'm <laughs> coming back. <laughs> Danielle, thank you so much. I had what a great, great episode. Yet you know again. What? Adam, I just I don't have it in me to give you anything other than great. So you're so welcome. I'm just wow. glad that not only everyone out there is listening, but that you're listening too, because I have a feeling that you're listening while we're doing this. Adam, I'm grateful for you as a fan and a coworker. As a coworker, I'm uh, forever grateful for you too. Danielle, Listen. thank you so much. Thanks for normalizing um, everything. As yeah, usual. I don't want to normalize work. We're going to no. rage against that machine, okay, yeah, everybody? I stigmatize work. I'm going to meet you all by the water cooler and we're going to discuss how we're going to protest our way out of these jobs. Love it. But until then, make sure that you rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and reach out to both me and Adam on social media. Mine is at Rapsodanny on Instagram. It's at the Danielle Young. So make sure you're using both of those handles everywhere until you can use them no more. Adam, where do they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Twitter. Just search for Adam Rapon. You'll you'll find him. He's there. Search for the little Olympian who could. You no? can type that in. That will come <laughs> That'll work. I was like, no, was it, did that not land? <laughs> <laughs> so worried. No, it landed. It landed. 
Okay, woo. but either way, when you're reaching out, make sure that you let us both know what you think and if you have any other topics that we should normalize because that's what we're here to do, people. That is all for now. And we'll see you next time on Normalize This. Until then, get your cursive game up. All right, we got yeah, checks. Thank you. We have checks. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, listeners, we want to hear from you. Make sure you're following at Make Spring Hill on all platforms for weekly show updates.